joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her King. Let every heart prepare Him room. And heaven and nature sing, and heaven and nature sing, and heaven and heaven and nature sing. Joy to the world, the Savior reigns. Let all their songs employ. While fields and floods, rocks, hills, and plains, repeat the sounding joy, repeat the sounding joy, repeat, repeat the sounding joy. No more let sins and sorrows grow, no thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow, far as the curse is found, far as the curse is found, far as, far as the curse is found. He rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of His righteousness and wonders of His love and wonders of His love and wonders, wonders of His love. Please be seated. At this time, I'd like to invite the Carvers to come forward, Sarah and Casey Carver and their boys, to lead us in the lighting of our Advent wreath. Good news, good news, our hopes and fears in all of years have met in this place tonight, and we have beheld the glory of the coming of God's Messiah. Sing for joy, salvation has come. We light the Christ candle as a sign to the world that today, in the city of David, a Savior is born, who is Christ the Lord. We no longer have to fear the darkness, for our light has come. Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth, Peace to all of God's children. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Amen. If you would please bow your heads and join me in prayer. Holy God, heaven and earth are met this day in the newborn child, the Savior of the world. We celebrate his birth, for in him you come to be close to us, that we might be close to you. Especially we give thanks for the birth, the life, the death, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ and all he means to us. For the prospects of peace in the world, O oh God, we pray. 
for confidence in your almighty love. Oh God, we pray. For those who generously give, oh God, we pray. For those who graciously receive, oh God, we pray. And for the churches nurturing us in the faith, oh God, we pray. God of all mercy, as you have come in Jesus Christ to be our guest, inspire our hearts to a hospitality that welcomes all your children in his name. Especially, we pray, for those who have not heard the good news. for the sick and the suffering, for those who know no laughter, only tears, for those who govern and rule, for those enslaved to tyranny, For prisoners of addiction or abuse. For the church as a refuge for the needy. All this we pray in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord and all God's people said, Amen. I want to invite you if you would grab hymn books again and turn with me to hymn number 230. O little town of Bethlehem, let us stand together as we sing this hymn. 230.
O holy child of Bethlehem, descend to us, we pray. Cast out our sin and enter and be born in us today. We hear the Christmas angels, the great glad tidings tell, where meek souls will abide in us, our Lord Emmanuel. Please be seated. Like theirs, but bright 
and um, just here to celebrate the birth of our Savior. So we're glad that y'all are with us. So our uh, scripture reading tonight comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2. You can find it in the back of your order of worship. Hear the word of God. When the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord. Every firstborn male shall be designated as holy to the Lord. And they offered a sacrifice according to what is stated in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit rested on him. It has been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, Simeon came into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Master, now you are dismissing your servant in peace. According to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all people, a light, a revelation to the Gentiles, and for glory to your people Israel. And the child's father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to his mother Mary, This child is destined for the falling and the rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be opposed, so that the inner thoughts of those will be revealed, and a sword will pierce, will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was, a great, she was of great age, having lived with her husband seven years after his marriage. Then as a widow to the age of 74, she never left the temple, but worshiped there with fasting and prayer night and day. At that moment, she came and began to praise God and to speak about the child to all who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. The word of God for the people of God.
Thank you to our choir. I uh, asked John this morning uh, who would be the bravest of St. Paul. Well, I think I know who they are. You've, uh, the noon service seemed to be the one that most people preferred, probably because the sun was still shining, and it was probably 30 degrees warmer than what it is when you left your house. Uh, but thank you uh, for being here and for being with us to celebrate uh, this time our communion service on Christmas Eve, either here in the sanctuary or joining us online. If you would, please uh, bow your heads and let us pray together. Oh Lord, in these moments of preparation, um, what we pray, God, is that the gospel would come in the reading and hearing of a text. Uh, may something, your kingdom, be planted deep down into the depths of our souls and either begin or continue a work of transformation that has a yield, a yield, sometimes tenfold, maybe twenty, fifty, even a hundredfold. Uh, we know that it's not something that we can create or do on our own, but it's something that requires your hand. And so we pray for that again, and we pray for it in your name. Amen. And if you would bear with me, uh, I lost my voice midway through the four o'clock service, so uh, if you hear a cough drop, uh, sort of running around. That's the make. Hopefully, I can make it through the six. Uh, um, tomorrow we have another one at ten. So we're at two of four, and uh, so hopefully I'll I'll be able to get through. One of the things I've been asking our congregation throughout this time of Advent, the time uh, just those weeks in preparation before Christmas, is I've been asking uh, the same question: What if God skipped Christmas? The question stemmed from a book that I read about maybe every four or five years from John Grisham called Skipping Christmas, uh, where the main characters in the book have an idea that they're going to redeploy their time and their money. Uh, instead of those things that are associated with Christmas, they're going to spend it on something else. They're going to go on a vacation. And there's part of us that, that's similar, or at least something we would have in common, even tonight. All the things that you're doing tonight and then tomorrow, that, that, all that is a culmination of weeks and weeks of planning, either shopping or decorating or uh, filling up your calendar to, to the point that we have calendar anxiety, but you don't skip it. Have you noticed that? You're still here. You didn't redeploy to go on a Caribbean vacation you decided to come to Christmas Eve communion. Why? Well, I would imagine it's because it's important, important to you. And so if we were to ask this question, what if God skipped Christmas, and then see it through the lens of the gospel, we would discover that God didn't skip Christmas either for specific reasons. Take the Magi. Magi are those people who observe the world around them in hopes that they could find meaning and direction. And there are some of us that do that. Do that. We look out into the world, the society around, and, and we look for direction. We look for hope. And God didn't skip the Magi. And then Joseph, uh, the classic example of a life that didn't go to plan. And yet God was with him every step along the way. God didn't skip Joseph. The shepherds. Those people in, in that society that found themselves on the outside looking in, and yet they were the ones to hear the message of God. God didn't skip them. And then probably 
of late, I mean, it's a, it's a passage I've read since studying to be a minister, but one that I've maybe discounted. I've, I love the genealogy in the first part of Matthew's gospel. Very boring. It's the begets, so-and-so, begets, so-and-so, begets, so-and-so. But if you look at those people, and you, you'll discover that some people shouldn't be in the genealogy, but they are, which is telling. And their lives are filled with all types of di- dysfunction, which means there's hope for shame, because God was with them every step along the way. And then now, at the latter parts of Luke's gospel, at least the, the latter parts of what we call the, the birth narratives, Simeon and Anna. We only know them through their encounter with Joseph and Mary on their way to the temple. Eight days after the birth of Jesus, Jesus' circumcision, 30 days after his birth, his parents were to make their way back to the temple to offer some type of offering, two turtle doves most likely. And along the way, Joseph and Mary are obedient to that aspect of the law just as much as they were obedient to the angel. And on that way, that journey, they meet Simeon and Anna, who were of impeccable character. Simeon, Luke goes to great length to describe his character, says three times he's guided by the Holy Spirit. He's also the epitome of patience because he waited decades and decades to see the coming of the Messiah. His faithfulness, it's, it's not one of those where let me stick my toe into the water and test it and see if it's okay. No, Simeon pledged head first, holding on to a hope because it was year after year and then decade after decade holding on to that promise. Whenever we read the passage of Simeon, often I think about the parents that, that come actually just to the left of me and they make commitments to God. They make pledges to God, they make a covenant with God, and, and then they, they want to seal that covenant with a sacrament, baptism. It's a long-haul promise. They're playing the long game, and so is God, holding on to a promise that God wouldn't skip them. It's so easy to lose hope to believe false narratives, to see the negative. And yet Simeon looked daily for the promise of God. He's a model to follow. You know, one of the things that is fairly disheartening to me is that in our society, we've lost the ability to wait patiently, to delay gratification, to hold on to something even if it's a long-haul process, because we know that something is better. Faithfulness in the thick and the thin, well, often it requires one to embrace hardship, sometimes even lean into suffering and to hold the struggle, and at the same time, keep walking. And that was Simeon. He waited for decades to see this promise. And then one day, maybe a day like today, a nudging from God to get up and go to the temple for his patience has been rewarded. You heard his response upon seeing Jesus. 
Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant, for my eyes have seen the salvation of God. Incidentally, when we think about Simeon, how patient are you to be able to wait, to wait in faith? Some rewards, some levels of fulfillment, they are never reached because of our unwillingness to wait. Not everything in life can be solved with a quick and easy You take a transformation of a soul, the changing of a life from the inside out. That's not a one-and-done endeavor. It's daily, over time, sometime over the span of decades and decades. There's something in theology we call recapitulation, and that is to every point on the way down, there's a corresponding point on the way up. To say it differently God has to unwind some things so he can wind it back in wholeness. Well, you can't do that. You won't be that without patience. Patience for you. Patience for other people. Maybe the person sitting next to you. Have we lost the ability to patiently wait? To wait on a promise, something that's better. Anna, religiously speaking, she had the perfect resume. She is called faithful over and over in the passage. She has the right heritage and pedigree. Uh, In in the text, it goes to great length to describe her age, which was a sign of blessing, which was a sign of of wisdom in the Bible. And, And then immediately, Luke moved to disciplines, described her disciplines. She worshiped, fasted, prayed. And the way the language is laid out, it describes it as if this this is a or was a continual practice for her. Now, most of us, when we see someone like this, we draw the conclusion that, that obviously the wind must have been at her back throughout her entire life because she's this type of person. And yet, what we've discovered from the passage is that she wasn't spared hardship, widowed early in her life, which meant that her life was difficult. She had to rely on the community for help. It's hard to accept another person's aid, to accept the hand from another person. Often when we experience hardship or struggles, it produces what, we, what I call a jaded pride or even a bitterness. To where we want to keep people on arm's length away, and often that prevents God's hand may be seen through the life of another person. It's not that life can be filled with potholes. It's life will be filled with potholes, setbacks. But it is these daily patient acts of faith. And even the hand from another person that gets us through. And Anna, she was an example of one who pressed forward even in the spite of hardships. They're mentioned in the passage, meaning that 
God didn't skip them. So what does that mean for us? God honors the patient. God upholds the faithful. And their work was rewarded. So much so that they see the coming of God's Messiah in Jesus Christ. Some of you here desperately waiting, holding on to a thread in hopes that with your last grasp that it will lead to hope. Don't give up on the promise. Even in the struggle, perhaps that's best when we can see God's hand. Some of us are wondering, well, does my faithfulness, does it, is it important? Great question to ask. But be faithful anyways. Hold on to something, a promise, that leads to something better. And allow God to bless even in the face of struggle. Do you know the name St. Monica? I'm sure you might have heard it at some point. She lived centuries ago. She had a son. Early on in his life, he, maybe the best way to describe him was a loose cannon. Maybe the brightest of his age, but hedonistic to the core. He was, he was infamously known for no boundaries, no direction in life other than what would just please himself. And for years, his mother prayed. She not just prayed for him, she sought other people and gathered up other people around her to pray for him. Even this, the neighborhood bishop, a guy by the name of Ambrose. And so for 33 years, 33 years, she held daily prayers for her son. And not just her praying, Inviting others to do the same. Ambrose, that after one of those times of praying, looked at her and said, Woman, your child of so many tears, he will never perish. You know his name? Augustine. St. Augustine. Also a bishop of North Africa in the fourth century. And by all accounts, is considered the father of Western theology. The fact that you are in a church here, in some form or fashion, you are swimming in his wake. Because we are Western Christians. And so much of what has formed us came through the mind of Augustine. At some point, along 33 years of praying, she didn't give up on a promise. She held on to something that was better. Simeon and Anna are examples of those who wait patiently in the face of struggle. God honors the patient, upholds the faithful. 
And for them, it was seeing the coming of Jesus Christ. Lord, we read these passages of the gospel and we see these people and, and on some level they're, they're completely foreign to us. And yet, on a second look, we're the ones in the text. Sometimes, oh God, it's the long haul of patience and faithfulness that leads to fulfillment. And you didn't skip them. And we know that you won't skip us. So just as you've guided and directed them through their years, may you do the same with us, O oh God. And as we prepare our hearts for communion, may your spirit guide and direct in ways that break into our time and space as we hold Jesus Christ, elements, body, blood, your grace and mercy. All this we pray in your name. Amen. I want to invite you, if you would, take your hymn books and turn with me to page 12. As we prepare for the liturgy for the great thanksgiving, I would like to uh, let you know that part of the liturgy today has been written specifically for Christmas Eve. So some of the words that I will uh, go through may not be in your uh, hymnal. But all of our responses will be the same. Christ our Lord invites to his table all who love him, who earnestly repent of their sin, and seek to live at peace with one another. Therefore, let us confess our sin before God and one another. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors, and we have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray, and free us for joyful obedience through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners, and that proves God's love for us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. You created light out of darkness and brought forth life from earth. You formed us in your image and breathed into us the breath of life. When we turned away and our love failed, your love remained steadfast. You delivered us from captivity, made covenant to be our sovereign God, and spoke to us through your prophets. In the fullness of time, you gave your only Son, Jesus Christ, to be our Savior. And at his birth, the angels sang, Glory to you in the highest, and peace to your people on earth. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might. Heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Holy are you and blessed is your son Jesus Christ. As Mary and Joseph went from Galilee to Bethlehem and there found no room, so Jesus went from Galilee 
to Jerusalem and was despised and rejected. As in the poverty of the stable Jesus was born, so by the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from the slavery of sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. As your word became flesh, born of woman, so that on that night so long ago, on that night which he gave himself up for us, he took bread, gave thanks to you, broke the bread, gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When the supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks to you. He gave it to his disciples and said, Drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sin. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith, Christ has died. Christ is risen, Christ. Pour out your Holy Spirit upon us who are gathered here and on these gifts of bread and juice. Make them be for us the body and blood of Jesus that we may be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit in your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. In just a few moments, ushers will come and invite you to partake in Holy Communion. We do it by intention. We will be given a piece of bread, and one of the acolytes will offer you a cup. You don't have to be in a member of our church to partake in communion. Uh, if uh, you come with a joyful and humble heart, you're welcome to partake in communion with us. There are urns at the sides of uh, the uh, sanctuary. Uh, these are uh, offerings that are used for our benevolence or our altar fund. Uh, we invite you to give generously as these funds are used in our community to help those in need. At the direction of our, disi or our disciples, <laughs> our ushers, uh, they will uh, invite you to come following the uh, choir being served.
little Jesus boy. They made to be born in a manger. Sweet little holy child didn't know who you was. Didn't know you'd come to save us, Lord, to take our sins away. It is tradition here at St. Paul to close our Christmas Eve services with singing Silent Night, Holy Night uh, in candlelight. So I want to invite you to take hymnals and turn with me to 239 and invite the ushers to come forward to assist in the lighting of the candles. Stand as you are able as we sing verses 1, 2, and 3. Round you. 
on this holiest of nights. May the Lord bless and keep you. May the Lord be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his face and countenance and give you rest and peace. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. You are dismissed.